What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening, whether you have the coronavirus or not. Let me not jinx the shit. This is episode 148, and in this episode, I speak about the coronavirus, aka COVID-19, Burt Kreischer's new stand-up comedy special, Hey Big Boy, and Narcos Mexico. So if you want to know how not to get the coronavirus, stay tuned. And I'm fucking around once again. You should not be depending on me or this podcast for your coronavirus information. Instead, check out the CDC website, which I will link to in the episode notes, as well as the Johns Hopkins Center for Health and Security, which will also be linked to in the episode notes. However, if you would like my take on the stuff that I mentioned that I'm going to be covering during this episode, definitely stay tuned. But first, here's a quick way that you can help support the show if you so choose. You know that feeling that you get on a Monday when you're sad because the weekend is over and you have nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear, the Midday Monday Boost Letter is here. And you might be thinking, what is the Midday Monday Boost Letter? Sounds like a mouthful. And it is, but it's also more than that. I put together this absolutely free newsletter that I email to all my subscribers every Monday at noon to spread a little joy and happiness. If you choose to subscribe, all you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. And what you'll get is five things. You'll get a photo of the week, which who doesn't like looking at dope pictures? You'll also get a podcast of the week. I listen to dozens and dozens of podcasts every single week from a wide variety of shows. And I cherry pick the very best ones and share them with you as my recommendation for that week. Also in the Midday Monday Boost Letter, you will find a video of the week, which could be anything from a cool online recipe that I found to a rap battle to a TED talk or a dope interview. I also share a quote of the week, a little food for thought, as well as a word of the week for my fellow wordsmiths out there. Again, this is all absolutely free, and you can get my newsletter by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you will get the very next one. All right, folks, what the fuck is going on with this coronavirus thing? The coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19. You know, here in the U.S. especially, it's a, a country of extremes. You have, you know, far left or far right. You have red or blue. There seems to be like a polarizing dynamic to most conversations, whether it's uh, politics. And I think it's more prevalent now because of politics and because we're in a presidential election year. In the last few divisive years that we've had under President Trump, I'm sure have exacerbated uh, this type of mentality and this uh, just the energy that's in the zeitgeist here in the U.S. But this conversation with with COVID-19 was no different. You have people thinking and saying that it's a hoax. It's not that serious. You know, every couple of years there's something new like Zika or the bird flu or Ebola. And then you have folks touting the exact opposite that this is like the zombie apocalypse, walking dead type shit is about to start happening and it's the end of the world. And if you guys are anything like me, that kind of leaves us like, what the fuck, right? I mean, my knee-jerk reaction is to assume that the truth is somewhere, you know, like in the middle, like a, a balance of those two extremes. But I don't want to be too far off in either direction, right? I don't want to be the guy hoarding water and toilet paper and canned goods, a year's worth of that stuff. Nor do I want to be the aloof guy walking down the street carrying the disease, infecting everyone around me, and then getting eaten by zombies or some shit, right? So one of the first things I did was see if Rogan had any any folks on to speak about the topic, because the thing about Rogan's podcast is that usually when there's something you know prevalent like this going on, and just in general, the folks that he has on are like the cream of the crop top tier folks within their field, 
right? Like he'll have Navy SEALs on, presidential candidates, best comics in the world, best UFC fighters in the world, MMA fighters rather, best boxers in the world, scientists, neuroscientists, astrophysicists, nutrition experts, you name it. So I checked and he actually did have a gentleman by the name of Michael Osterholm on, which is an infectious disease and epidemiology expert who also wrote Deadliest Enemy, Our War Against Deadly Germs. Now, that podcast helped put a lot of things in perspective for me, as well as put me on to go to resources like the CDC and like Johns Hopkins uh, website to go to. But most importantly, he definitely helped reconcile those two extremes that I was already accustomed to hearing on you know social media, as well as on the regular news on TV. So a couple main takeaways that that I took from the conversation is that Michael Osterholm says that this is just the beginning and it's going to last several months. So folks should definitely stop acting like it's a a storm and start realizing that it's more like a winter. It's not something that, you know, it's going to end civilization, but it is something that's going to get worse before it starts getting better and it's going to last several months. Now, mind you, I listened to this conversation, came out over about a week ago. Today's March 17th as I'm recording this. This was posted, this episode posted on March 10th. And since then, everything he's mentioned, several of the things he's, he mentioned have been coming to fruition. He also like published a paper or something about this in early February. Uh, so over a month ago, month and a half ago, stating just how serious the, this uh, most likely will become and how fast this would spread. So while most folks were writing it off, including myself in the beginning, like, you know, more people die of the flu of this every year, um, we weren't factoring in certain things like the fact that this disease has something called an R-naught, which is the fact that it's doubling every time in terms of occurrences. And we can see this with the number of occurrences that keep coming out day after day after day of people testing positive as well as people dying. So at first, when, you know, there's a couple hundred people, a percentage of that is not much in terms of uh, mortality rate. But as that couple hundred people becomes 400 people, then becomes 800 people because of this r nodding doubling effect, then because becomes 1600 and, you know, just exponentially gets bigger, bigger, and bigger, that percentage, the mortality rate percentage translates into a much higher number. And the reason why this shit is spreading like wildfire is because it's so easy to transmit. Anyone can be carrying it without even knowing it, without showing symptoms and giving it to other folks. And then they continue that the cycle of giving it to others and transmitting it, etc. Typical symptoms are similar to flu-like symptoms, if you do have it, um, such as coughing and fever, a shortness of breath. But again, symptoms are not had by everyone, most likely if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you won't have or show symptoms. Um, but folks that are more likely to show, show symptoms and that are most likely to die as a result of this virus are the elderly, are seniors. So the 60 to 69 range, 70 to 79 range, 80 to 89 range. Each of those age groups has a higher and higher uh, percentage of all the deaths that have occurred have come from those age brackets with a few very small percentage in uh, the younger uh, age groups. And if you have any type of autoimmune disease, you're at higher risk, such as MS or anything that would weaken your immune system. If you are obese, you're at higher risk. The United States has a very large obesity uh rate. If you have things like high blood pressure, which I have, you're at higher risk. If you're a smoker, and of course, again, if you are elderly. There's like a running tracker on a website called worldmeters.info slash coronavirus. If you guys want to check this out, I bumped it up against the CDC and the Johns Hopkins numbers. They're right around the same range. Johns Hopkins is on average for each uh, country. It gives you like a breakdown by country. Um, showing slightly higher numbers than CDC. It could be uh, a timing thing um, as well as a reporting reporting thing. But the numbers are all within the same range. So currently, according to 
worldmeters.info slash coronavirus, there are 198,241 cases. Of these, there are 7,965 deaths already. And 81,743 folks that have actually recovered. And by recovered, meaning that they were sick, they were in the hospital, and they've been discharged. But from those closed cases of either discharged or deaths, the 7,965, that's a 9% mortality rate. Extremely high. And that's not counting the current folks that are showing mild conditions, which hopefully do not progress to worse. Um, That's 101,000 folks. Very serious or critical condition, which is 6% of the active cases, are 7,020 folks, which hopefully will take a turn for the better. But this shit got real really quickly. And something that, again, um, staying with uh, Michael Osterholm, that he stated is that this is going to wind up being 10 to 15 times worse than any flu. Based on current data, what they can project out is that there will be 96 million cases of folks with the coronavirus, about 480,000 deaths. And this would happen over the span of three to seven months. So this is that winter days reference. Now, I'm not saying to take everything this guy says as gospel. I hope he's wrong, but he hasn't been thus far. As things get worse and worse, those figures are becoming more and more prescient. And I would rather have an overcorrection from our public officials and our government than a lackluster response, which is what we started getting. And what Italy did, for example, in being behind the eight ball and not quarantining folks, not shutting down the country soon enough. They started by shutting down one town where they felt they had a cluster of cases. The virus just continued spreading to the point that now the entire country is quarantined and in lockdown. But they have far more patients than they have spaces in hospitals and equipment to deal with the with the sick patients and they're literally choosing who lives and dies because they don't have enough equipment and hospital beds for as many cases as, as they have and that is such a sad unfortunate reality that i hope other public officials and governments heed and take as an immediate lesson of what not to do now our government here in the u.s definitely dragged its feet At the federal level, Trump and his administration early on stating that this was contained, stating that this is not really an American problem. There's such a low occurrence rate here. I think there were like 12 to 15 cases, confirmed cases at the time. You know, according to Trump, he said, quote, you know, the occurrences, the cases are going down within a couple days. So that's going to be a beautiful thing. Or as the weather warms up, the virus is going to die, etc. And a bunch of other dumb Trumpisms that he says and the yes men and women around him allow him to say. But thankfully, that type of bullshit was reconciled with the fact of exponentially growing cases here in the U.S. And the federal government finally declared a national emergency. Now, this was important in that it allowed for emergency funding somewhere around like $50 billion dollars to be released, as well as the speeding up of FDA approvals for for tests and testing abilities. It allowed for the updating of archaic laws and systems that were in place that clearly could not deal with this uh, type of pandemic. And hopefully a more robust system is put in place. And it's not just a pointing of the, the finger of an existing like legacy bad system. So those things are, are positives. So the ball is moving at least a bit in that sense. <clears throat> there was this uh, like big press conference where he joined like the CEOs and and uh, or representatives of big companies like CVS and Walmart and Target, and they are all in agreement to offer their parking lots in certain areas for drive-through testing, which should have been a thing a long time ago. We should have gotten that from South Korea, which saw a lot of success with drive-through testing, where people would drive up to these locations, they would get a mouth swab, they would collect their contact information, and they would drive off and leave, and then get their test results in 
uh, within 48 hours or so. And it's important to be able to test folks, right, that are feeling symptoms because you want to know where the clusters are happening, where the sick people are, because that will inform where the virus could potentially be spreading and allow folks to act in terms of self-quarantining and, and or being you know placed on the quarantine if necessary so that we can contain the virus and hopefully kill it off by minimizing how it spreads and then having folks recover from it. Now, I live in New York City, in Queens, right? And I work downtown in Manhattan, New York City. And it's the biggest city in the world. Public transportation, millions of people take it every day. And it's spreading here, or there being cases here, has a, like such an exponential growth ability that it's scary. So I'm happy that Governor Cuomo stepped up while the federal government was was dragging its feet and started creating these partnerships with local labs to facilitate testing. The governor, as well as uh, the mayor, Bill de Blasio, have been having press conferences and sharing information with people. There's one today, actually, by um, Mayor de Blasio stating that we might have to start a shelter-in-place uh, system here in New York, which means, you know, everybody's staying home and being quarantined at home. Um, he said this could happen as soon as the next 48 hours. And this would mean that nobody can leave their house unless it's for food and or medicine. Um, you know, the Blasio and Cuomo always are historically often at odds. And although they're on the same side of this, you know, coronavirus debate and, you know, being being overly careful, uh, Cuomo did state that, you know, we're not at that level yet in terms of having to implement a shelter in place. So they seem to be a bit um, at odds there. But there are places like Hoboken, New Jersey, which have implemented this. Um, San Francisco in California has implemented this as well as several other counties um, within California. And that's crazy shit, man. You know, parades like today is St. Patrick's Day. Parades were canceled. You know, the NBA closed down. All these like sporting leagues are closed down. The UFC had fights without people in the stands. Soccer stadiums are empty and, you know, they're still playing games, but they're completely empty in terms of, of fans. It's like an eerie, weird, unprecedented thing that's going on. Businesses like restaurants and bars are uh, pickup only. Um, some of them can't sustain that type of business, you know, being a pickup only. And some are closing indefinitely. So people are losing their jobs. Public schools uh, here in New York have been officially closed for a minimum of a month. Uh, there's a lot of kids that, you know, they get their meals at school and some are even, you know, like underprivileged kids where this is where they get their only meals and schools are closed, but luckily they are having, uh, pickup meals set up so folks can go pick up the meals and, and return back home if necessary. And they are going to implement a remote teaching. A lot of businesses are also doing work from home, including mine, thankfully. Even though some were flirting with the idea of, you know, half the staff working in office and half the staff working from home. One week yes, one week, one week no uh, type of thing. But that has switched to like complete work from home across the board in a lot of businesses which that's the long-term safer play, right? In terms of, you know, everything we were just speaking about in terms of the spread, potential spread of the disease. And also I would imagine, you know, corporations would want a healthy workforce versus a dead one. But sometimes that's just not clear with the way that some decisions are made and, you know, optimizing that bottom line, you know, day in and day out. Sometimes, unfortunately, a short-term view trumps, uh, long-term outlook but i don't know man fucking the fed cut interest rates to near zero the stock market is tanking the earliest projections that that i've heard or read about for an actual vaccine for this by the way is a year plus out meaning it could take until 2021 for there to be an actual vaccine for this and that's not to say that the disease won't be somewhat under control or contained by then because very well can be but in terms of like assurance here's a vaccine 
boom, you don't have it anymore, or you can't get it anymore, like kind of like a flu shot type shit, that's at least a year out. So until then, I would definitely implore you to follow the typical protocol that is being spread everywhere, which is wash your hands for 20 seconds at a time, wash your hands very often, avoid touching your face, avoid uh, practice social distancing, meaning avoid being in close contact with too many folks that you don't need to be in contact with. They say you should maintain like six feet away from, from people if you absolutely do have to be out in the street or whatever. The White House put out a coronavirus guidelines uh, for America uh, PDF that I'll link to in the episode notes. It's called uh, 15 Days to Slow the Spread. And they have the following bullet points on there, which are listen to and follow the directions of your state and local authorities. If you feel sick, stay home. Do not go to work. Contact your medical provider, which is another thing, right? A lot of folks don't have like sick days or the ability to work from home, uh, paid family leave, like stuff like that. And it's terrible for those people because from a business perspective, are you going to pay them? They're technically not producing and doing work. And where's the business getting the money to pay them if their business is, is pretty much slowed down to a halt? And then from a human perspective, as an employee, you know, this is out of their control, but they also need to feed their families and pay bills, etc. There's like several different bills and items, I believe, on the Senate floor and on the House floor related to this and even passing um, a bill for emergency uh, funding and assistance for small businesses as well as for for people directly like uh, Andrew Yang's universal basic income idea. I've heard floated around as a potential aid in this in this case, which if you guys aren't familiar with UBI, it's pretty much every uh, American over the age of 18 would get $1,000 a month from the government, just cut directly to them. So this is just getting like more and more serious. All right, the next bullet point on this White House alert PDF thing is if your children are sick, keep them at home. Do not send them to school. Contact your medical provider. If someone in your household has tested positive for the coronavirus, keep the entire household at home. Do not go to work. Do not go to school. Contact your medical provider. If you are an older person, stay home and away from other people. And if you are a person with a serious underlying health condition, that can put you at increased risk. For example, a condition that impairs your your lung or heart function or weakens your immune system. Stay home and away from other people. Avoid discretionary travel, shopping, social visits, etc. Practice good hygiene, like washing your hands, avoid touching your face, sneeze or cough into a tissue or inside of your elbow. Disinfect frequently. And I will link to that in the episode notes. Also, I will link to that I that I like more, I want to say, than the CDC website because there's been, I don't know, delays in, in providing data. And it's also, you know, tied to an, an administration that wasn't like properly funding it. And although it is a great, you know, go-to resource, most, most folks do point to it. I also like to track and check uh, Johns Hopkins uh, Center for uh, Health and Security, which I was put onto again by that conversation with Michael Osterholm. And what I like mainly from them, from their resources uh, COVID page, is that they put out a PDF and you can sign up for it. They'll send it directly to your email as well on a daily basis with all the updates from the counts of occurrences, the counts of deaths, in each individual country broken down, different precautionary measures that that countries are putting in place, bills that are being spoken of in Congress, for example, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like a one-stop shop of everything you need to know, and it's like on a one- to two-page PDF on a daily basis. I will link to that in the episode notes. That's pretty much it. That's all I got on the coronavirus, folks. Stay safe. Wash those dirty hands. Stay away from people, and while you do, you might as well do some Netflix and chill. Which leads me to Burt Kreischer's new stand-up comedy special, Hey Big Boy. Now that's a motherfucking segue right there. I watched the special today. I think it came out today or yesterday or something like that. 
I watched it today and thought it was awesome. It's my favorite uh, Burt Kreischer special. He has four specials out, if I'm not mistaken. They're I think they're all on Netflix. There was one that was with Showtime, which was the the one where he did the machine story officially like on and by officially i mean like on an actual special not just on on a podcast or or as a comedy tour but that one was with showtime if i'm not mistaken but i think it is now on netflix i don't know if like netflix like bought the rights to it or whatever but i could be wrong on that for some reason i think i heard him say something like that on a recent podcast interview but either way there are at least three other ones including this one which is the new special, again, titled Hey Big Boy. And for those of you that don't know, Burt Kreischer is a stand-up comedian. Obviously, he has a comedy special. He has a great podcast called The Burt Cast. He has a couple other podcasts that he started doing with other folks, which is like a, I don't want to say it's a thing now, because, but yeah, I guess, I guess that's what I mean. It's kind of like a thing now. The podcasters are like branching out and starting to do like multiple different podcasts. Like, for example, you have uh, The Fighter and the Kid, right? With Brendan Schaub and Brian Callen. Then Brendan Schaub has his own Below the Belt, which he does in collaboration with Showtime. Brian Callen used to have one that he used to do with uh, by himself and then started doing it with Hunter Mott. And I think Hunter Mott kind of took the reins in that one. I don't think Brian Callen does it with him anymore. Um, who else? Then Brendan Schaub has a, another one with Theo Vaughn just them two together i forget the name of that one like the the king and the sting if i'm not mistaken and you know like theo von obviously obviously has his which is about this weekend about last weekend about last night or this past weekend something like that um burke kreischer and tom segura have one together called two bears one cave (laughs) and uh now burke also started a separate one with Bill Burr, just them two together, which is pretty cool. Then Bill Burr obviously has his iconic um, Monday morning podcast as a solo. Then you have like, for example, Andrew Schultz has The Brilliant Idiots with Charlemagne the God. And he also has Flagrant 2 with Akash Singh. And they're like completely different shows, you know? Anyway, I forgot the point that I was trying to make. Oh yeah, it's that Burt has... You know, he's a podcaster, he's a comic, he has this iconic story called The Machine. If you just Google Burke Kreischer, The Machine, I would recommend watching the animated version, um, which is him telling the story on Rogan's podcast, and somebody took an excerpt, or, you know, like, took that excerpt of that full story, it's a pretty long story, and drew animation to it, and put it on YouTube, and it's super dope, it's hilarious, I think it's the best way to... To hear that story, I liked it more that way even than when he actually did it on stage on his The Machine special. But that's just me. And he has another iconic uh, story that went went viral about uh, chilling with Tracy Morgan at a club. And he is a gregarious life of the party guy. Like, that's his thing. He's like the party guy. And the uh, fun time and the drinker. The movie Van Wilder, by the way, was based on his life. Like that whole, the movie came about because Rolling Stone did a featured piece on him when he was in college, because he was in college for like six or seven years, like the premise of the movie Van Wilder. And the reason for it was because he was just like so into partying and like the college, you know, fraternity lifestyle and shit that he didn't want to leave. And after that article came out, the story of his life got optioned into the movie that eventually became van wilder starring ryan reynolds but yeah this was super funny uh and definitely my favorite special of his so far he starts off with an awesome joke i don't think it's like the first joke but it's there's like a joke and then it leads into this big chunk which is a a joke about starbucks which i'm not going to give away because the special just came out but that in and of itself like i went back after the special, just to listen to that joke again. And to make my wife listen to it, because it was hilarious. Then he has, like, a lot of family shit on there. Uh, like, he's constantly, like, choking on uh, his two daughters and his wife and stuff. Which is always really funny. And there, there was a... This one I could give away, this joke. Because 
aside from the fact that it's on the special, it's like the part of the trailer as well, like, like this joke. And I think it's hilarious. So he's talking about when he's sick, his wife doesn't want to have sex with him. And he says that he doesn't give a shit, like if his wife is sick or not, sick or not, like he'll have sex with her regardless. And then one day he, you know, he wants to have sex with his wife and he's like, yo, let's bang one out before, you know, they were going somewhere or whatever. And she's like, no, no, I, you know, I have a cold. He says something along the lines of, oh, that's right. I'll, you know, we'll practice uh, safe sex. And she's like, what? You're going to actually work on them? And he's like, no, bitch. Doggy style. So you can cough into the wall. <laughs> and I just thought that was hilarious. No, bitch. I meant doggy style. So you can cough into the wall. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, Bert Kreischer's Hey, Big Boy is streaming now on Netflix for your viewing pleasure. And I definitely, definitely recommend it. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Last but not least, Narcos Mexico. Now, I saw the first two seasons of Narcos, which were the Pablo Escobar seasons, the Columbia seasons. I liked them. I did, I'm pretty sure I recorded a podcast or two about them. It was a dope series. Then when Narcos Mexico came out, I was kind of, I don't know what it was. I wasn't, wasn't into it. I wasn't feeling it. I guess because maybe I knew the, you know, the Pablo Escobar is like the pinnacle of like the drug game cartels and Colombian cocaine and shit like that. Like that's something that's always, I've always known to be the drug trade and, you know, the infamousness, if that's even a word, of Pablo Escobar and like his story is known. And that kind of like drew me to the first couple of seasons. But Mexico, I didn't really know anything about in terms of like the drug game. I mean, in terms of, like, in recent years, there was, like, news of El Chapo. I don't know who he was before, like, they started, like, talking about him in the news and before he got arrested and stuff like that. But uh, even then, I thought, you know, he was a big-time drug dealer in Mexico, but probably, like, it's probably, like, a, a candle in the sun compared to, like, Pablo Escobar and the Colombian drug cartels and stuff like that. That's what I naively thought, if that makes any sense. I guess not knowing about the drug trade and Mexico's involvement in it should have drawn me to want to see the series that much more so I could learn about it, right? But I don't know. I was just kind of like disillusioned with it. I was fine with the first couple seasons of Narcos and I was like, eh, you know, one day I'll, I'll watch it. And I didn't watch season three for a minute. Season four was already out for a while when I started watching season three, which I recently did. And by season three, I mean the first season of Narcos Mexico. And this shit is so dope that I'm kicking myself for not watching it sooner. But I'm also happy because I have two seasons to go through. So it's like 20 episodes. So although I regret not watching it sooner, I kind of like the fact that I waited because now I can, you know, I'm still not done watching season, the fourth season of it. And I'm really into the show. And it's based on the rise of Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo, which is this drug kingpin. It was a guy that rose to be a drug kingpin that wound up organizing several factions of Mexican drug cartels into one huge organization called the Federation. And he's a savvy, strategic, three-dimensional chess plane motherfucker. And he eventually sets it up so that the Colombians have the Colombians, you know, smuggling uh, coke into the U.S. have to deal with him in order to get it through Mexico because all the other channels are blocked and obsolete. And I don't know this guy's story the way I knew Pablo Escobar's. You know, I knew Pablo Escobar died. I knew the way he died. I know how ruthless he was. I knew enough anecdotes of his story to not be surprised by watching that season. So being that I don't have all this like background information about the true char- the true person Miguel Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo, it like has me that much more like in suspense, that much more into the the season, and it's a really dope cast. It's played uh, Miguel Angel is played by Diego Luna, Diego Luna, Diego Luna. <laughs> I say that like uh, Will Ferrell does in his one man like stand up show, one man show that he did. He has like a segment of about Diego Luna. 
Anyway, um, then you have Michael Pena in it playing a DEA agent back in the nation stages of the DEA, which, by the way, spoiler alert, I'll give you a couple seconds to fast forward. But again, this has been out for like two years this season, so I don't mind spoiling it. I had hope at the end of season three that Michael Pena was still alive. His, his character, Enrique Kiki Camarena, was still alive. I was rooting for him to be alive, like, so fucking hard. I was, like, really invested in, in into it. To the point that I teared up when I saw that he died. That shit was so fucking sad. I mean, he got part of what he wanted, because there was a part of him that just wanted uh, uh, Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo's to know who he was. He wanted him to know his name, so he obviously got that. Um, but he wanted to, like, arrest him. He wanted to be, he, you know, wanted to do his job. You know, bring down this cartel or or at least put a hurting on it. And unfortunately, he died. He was killed. He was tortured. He was killed. And he had a wife, a kid. It was just so sad. When the agent that's looking for him, they finally find the, like, safe house, trap house type of place that they had him at. You know, searching through all the rooms and somebody yells out, Está aquí, lo encontramos. And then the DA agent goes running and this guy on his knees to his back to him and he smiles, he thinks it's him. The guy turns around, but it's not him. And then somebody else says, Está aquí, lo encontramos aquí. And they point to like him on the side of the road and just like a bullet in his head and just like all fucked up and tortured. Then his wife, when she has to go to the morgue to identify the body, oh man, so fucking like heart wrenching. What else is dope about this? Two more things. Um, El Chapo is in it. He is, you know, the El Chapo that we know now as being like the drug kingpin of of Mexico, according to the news and stuff like that. But there was always speculation that there was like another guy really pulling the strings for El Chapo, and it was a guy that was like in the mountains. And I'm assuming that that narrative within the news cycles was pointing to. Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo, which is like the the mastermind of the shit. And if he is still alive, which I don't know, because again, I haven't, I purposely am not like looking um, too deep into his actual story because I, I want to look into it after the fact, after I finish watching the series, because I kind of enjoy that I'm like in it blind right now. But based on how they depict this character, he's definitely someone that would have the capacity, the ability to put the organization in place, have it run, him call the shots anonymously, and just pull everybody's strings that he can, both on the cartel side, within Mexico, the cartels in Colombia, the federal agents and politicians that he pays off in the U.S. and in Mexico, et cetera, et cetera. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually the case. But again, you know, maybe he got caught, maybe he's dead, maybe he's in jail, I don't know. So I could be wrong as well. But yeah, El Chapo's in it in the sense that he, when he starts taking over, like the different like factions within within Mexico of different like drug dealers and stuff, El Chapo's the driver for some guy that Felix has killed. And then Felix is about, they're about to kill El Chapo. He's like on his knees with a gun to his head. And they ask him if he wants to like drive for them and, you know, work with them. He agrees. And then he becomes, you know, part of that new crew. I guess the rest, I guess, is history. He must eventually ascend, I would imagine, to to being who we know him to be today. But I haven't gotten that far yet. And I don't even know if season, if the last season that's out, which is season four, uh, gets into all of that. And the last thing I'll say about it, which I think is a dope story and helps for those of you that haven't seen the series, is a really dope scene that was written excellently. Um, the writing, by the way, is impeccable. It's in, mainly in Spanish with uh, English subtitles, but the dialogue is great. The the tension, the suspense, it's perfect. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. But this scene in particular kind of like sets the stage for the type of person that Diego Luna's character is. There's a scene where he is part of this, one of these factions, the Sinaloa cartel. That's kind of like poo-pooed by all the other cartels in in Mexico as being, you know, like a 
a campesino cartel like these these dudes in the jungle that nickel and dime uh drugs or whatever and he's like low man on the on the totem pole of this particular cartel then he convinces his the head of that cartel to allow him to go into the city to this you know the big mexican mexico city cartel and propose a partnership with them and you know tell them that they want to do business with them and whatever he convinces the head of that cartel that he's in to allow him to take that trip he does it with one of the, with two other people and everybody thinks he's crazy and he does it and winds up proposing you know this partnership to the guy that's part of this other cartel within mexico city it doesn't go his way the guy laughs in his face tells him if he's crazy he'll fuck himself you know he's a fucking jungle jungle campesino guy and go back to where you came from type shit and felix gallardo winds up shooting him in the head and killing him right there in the middle of a hotel in public and then just sits there, waits for the cops, which are paid off, obviously, by the cartels to come. And they, you know, grab him, nab him up, take him. And they're taking him to the big boss of that cartel. And no, actually, they're going to take him to kill him. And then while he's in the car, he starts telling the two guys that are, that are driving him that are cops saying he tells them a story, a very captivating story. He draws them in. He's in the back seat. And he tells him, listen, I know you guys have to do what you're supposed to do, what you're intended to do, but I need to tell you guys the story. I was a cop like you guys, which he was. I understand what it is to, to want to do your job and, and earn your living, but I need you guys to take me to... No, he he doesn't say that. He says, he tells him the story of capturing these, these uh, drug dealers, low-level drug dealers one day. I forget exactly how the story goes, but he was asked to, to kill them. There was one that he winds up letting go. He drives him to the edge of the city and tells him to to go and never never return. And he lets him go. Then he go. He says, hey, "You know what that guy's name is? It's blah blah blah." And that blah 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 was the head of was the name of the head of that Mex Mexico City cartel. So the two driver guys they look at each other like, "Oh shit." Um, so then Felix Gallardo, Diego Luna's character, tells him, so I want you guys to take me to him because I want to speak with him. And if you guys kill me, he's going to be really upset with you guys because I spared his life one day and blah, 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 blah. So he tells him this story about how he knows their boss and stuff. So they take him to him. He gets in front of in front of the guy and the boss says, you know, why isn't, why isn't he dead? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they tell him the story and the story does not check out. It turns out it was 100% bullshit, but Diego Luna's character strategically, you know, he's he's playing chess, right? He just needed to get in front of the guy and made the guy a proposal right there on the spot that the guy wound up, wound up accepting because Diego Luna's cousin came up with a way to cultivate weed, marijuana, marijuana which is what they were dealing at the at the time in Mexico in a way that would allow them that was a lot more potent and would allow them to, you know, remove all the seeds and stems and shit, allow them to package more within a smaller confines, which means ultimately more money. He accepted and that's how he like got into business. And I thought that was such a dope story that set the stage to the type of character that you're dealing with in that he was the thinking type, the strategic type. Every move that he makes, you have to, from there on out, throughout the series, know or at least assume that he's already thinking multiple steps ahead. So then a part of the suspense and the thrill of watching the show, at least for me, is trying to figure out the angles. What does he know that you don't? What is he planning that you don't see yet? It's a really dope, dope season. I definitely recommend it to you guys and gals to check out whenever you have some free time. And that is Narcos Mexico, streaming on Netflix. And with that, folks, that was episode 148 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. I feel like I'm losing my fucking voice. I hope it's not that corona. But I definitely do appreciate you guys listening. So, with that said, I'm dropping in some tunes for you guys to listen to, to vibe out to. And then we'll let you know about a bunch of ways you can help support the Sponsor Day podcast if you so choose. Peace.
She got good throw. Sit that cat on my lap. I give it good strokes. I might have to fly out to Mikano. So maybe to Japan so I can hit her like a Michiro. She knows what the fuck is up. I don't gotta dumb it down. Tatted like Rihanna, pussy singing like it's run the town. I love her, she's a freak. I promise if I could, I fuck her seven days a week. Face from the Middle East, ass from the West Indies. Sucking the soul up out of my body, rest in peace. Head got me wobbling. She know I got cameras. She said we should vlog it. I know she got stamina. She said start jogging. Like the Yeah. She, worked, she always puts me first yeah. And I know I've been around But I swear you got the best on earth yeah, 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 yeah. I got drip on the floor and it's getting nasty He ain't keeping his hands up off my ass cheeks I got something to give him and if he asks me I'm not feeling up, baby, I let him gas me Light me up, light me up I done seen the whole world and they knowing that hot as us Bank rolls, dank roll, they ain't really as loud as us I be hoping that it's love, but it really just be the lust Anything for a rush now It's Van Nuys on a touchdown It's a cold world, get a bust down How you get my mind before my body and my trust now He said life is too short and he think that we should fuck now I think I'm finna break him, it's gonna be quick He know I ride that dick till I get seasick Wavy little bitch to talk that E shit Nasty, but don't put nothing past me Now I got the pussy in the power if you like ask me Like the way me. she worked, ayy She always puts me first, ayy Hey folks, Tony here, and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as I enjoy putting it together for you. If you'd like to support, I'd really appreciate it, and we'll give you a one-stop shop of sorts on how to do so. If you can make your way over to spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a bunch of different ways where you can do just that. There you'll find an Amazon banner similar to the other banners found throughout my website that you can click on and will take you to Amazon where you can do your shopping like you normally do. This will not cost you anything extra and Amazon will pay me a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. It's a great way to help support the show financially without actually having to come out of pocket. At spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon and Kofi pages. Patreon and Kofi are two similar websites where you can set up reoccurring donations for the show. If you want to donate a dollar per month, a dollar per episode, a hundred dollars per episode, whatever you like, you can check out either one of those two services there. There's actually also a Patreon video that's kind of like a little tutorial explanation video of how Patreon actually works. Also at spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a direct donation button where you, you can donate by way of PayPal. You'll find a link to Apple Music, which works similar to the Amazon banner. You can click on it. It'll take you to Apple's website where you can do your purchasing like you normally do. And again, it does not cost you anything extra, but I will get paid a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. And you'll also find links to the Spun Today viral style store. This is where you can get Spun Today related merch. And you'll find things like these cool premium t-shirts that have uh, writing related things on them that I put together myself. I'm definitely not a clothing designer by any stretch of the imagination, but I put together things that I wanted to see and, and uh, wear myself. A couple of my favorites are the one that says writing is life and another one that says write need every day and it has like a puff of smoke looking design right behind uh, those words. You'll also find a sponsored a coffee mug and a really cool color changing mug that's related to my debut novel Fractal. It's completely black and when it gets hot when you put it in coffee or tea 
it starts changing to white and it also exposes the cover art for my novel fractal it's pretty dope so definitely check all that stuff out which again you can find by going to sponsor.com forward slash support and of course do not forget to follow me on all of your social media at sponsor on twitter at sponsor on instagram subscribe to the sponsor youtube channel where you can find clips and excerpts from the podcast along with other cool content like the facebook page at facebook.com forward slash spun today also don't forget to check out all the free shit that i have on my website as well go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and there you're going to find dozens and dozens and dozens of free writing pieces that you can check out for motivation and inspiration and just some general food for thought you can check out some of my photography at spuntoday.com forward slash photography feel free to take any of those pictures and use them as you wish i set it up so that you can like copy and download the photos and my short stories are available at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories and last but certainly not least my pride and joy corner spuntoday.com forward slash books here you will find my published books which you find folks can find links to purchase them on amazon whether you want hard copies or digital uh, kindle copies that's the spot for you thank you very much for being a spun today listener and as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams thanks for listening Thank you.